0: Welcome to the Stalk and podcast. With your hosts, Donnie and Rob, we're here to help you thrive in a world of big data and complex analytics.
1: As we talk about animythics, you know there are two things that we want to do on a regular basis. One of them is um, we want to talk about like memes and things that are getting passed around. Um, but sometimes we just want to talk about concepts and ideas, and those concepts and ideas can be in the you know the realm of math and analytics and how you look at information. Um, it can be in how you uh, think about data, how you design experiments, um, the quality of the data in various situations. Um, but it also very much includes the psychology of how we interpret, gather. Um, and look at information on a regular basis. And so in today's episode, just going to be topical. What we're going to talk about is this notion of motivated reasoning. And, and, and Rob, as we were talking before, um, I think you had, uh, you'd said that you have what you believe is a pretty impactful example of uh, motivated reasoning by some folks.
0: Yeah, I do. Um, you'll probably remember this story. So in the late 90s, there was this religious cult called Heaven's Gate. And they believed that a spaceship was trailing behind the Hale-Bopp comet and that they were going to leave their earthly bodies and be rescued by the spaceship that's trailing the comet. Um, so a lot of us heard about this story, but there was part of the story that I'd never heard before, which I've, I found very interesting. So this comet's coming around and a couple of the cult members go to a, a store and they buy a high-powered telescope. Uh, over $3,600, right? So they want to see the spaceship that's going to save them. So the comet comes by, you know, they look, they look at it one night and they don't see the spaceship trailing the comet. So they brought back the telescope to the store for a refund. Now, right there, if the, if the story just ended there, that would be funny. The story is tragic. Because less than two months later, thirty-nine people were dead. The leader and thirty-eight followers of this cult yeah were, were dead. So so I think that's an example of motivated reasoning. So what went on there, Donnie? Like what what's going on in the minds of people that that they they're looking, they they have evidence right in front of them that this the spaceship is not trailing the comet yet. The telescope has to be defective. What, what's going on?
1: It's certainly uh, an example of motivated reasoning. It's, it's a great example. It's unfortunately a, a tragic example, but uh, why don't we take just a real quick break and uh, come back and kind of explore how motivated reasoning uh, affects the way that we take in information, the way we make decisions uh, and the choices that we make uh, on a regular basis. And unfortunately, in this situation, in a way that actually causes uh, great personal harm. <laughs>
0: Welcome back, so Donnie. That that story that is unbelievable to me. Um, I think it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, can we talk a little bit about like what makes people think that way and do the things they do?
1: Yeah, it, it's an interesting. There's a um, there's a theory um, called motivated reasoning, and what motivated reasoning says is that once we have uh, sort of our framework, an idea, a specific um you know thought in place that there are two things that we tend to do. Number one, we tend to search for information that's going to confirm that idea. And number two, we tend to discount or rationalize away information that doesn't support the idea or the framework um, that we have internally. Okay. And so in that situation, like you know and it's not the only situation there's a there's a recent uh documentary on HBO about the Next VM cult um, where you have the same kind of thing you know there's a folks who are very intelligent they're very successful uh they get brought into this cult where uh eventually uh, folks end up getting branded um you know they're they're doing all kinds of weird and strange things as you look at it from the outside but even when they're presented with evidence it says that the leader of this particular movement is actually uh trying to create a cult and doing most everything for his own benefit, even when they're presented with that, they still have struggles and challenges in trying to really understand what that means. They don't want to let go of that idea that they've already had in their mind. And, you know, you can think about this all over the place, right? Like, so what ideas, what beliefs do you hold that are
0: wrong? Yeah, right, right. That would take some self-examination, right? The The, the
1: weird thing about it is, is people we are in the process of only keeping the ideas that we believe in, right? right? And so whatever I believe, I believe, but whatever ideas or beliefs or opinions somebody else holds, they also believe those, even if they're contrary to what um, I happen to believe. And so, you know, there's this belief that we are rational agents, that we go out and we search the world for information. We make uh, rational choices. Unfortunately, we, we actually tend to look to the world to prove the things that we already believe. And the challenge is, is that the more it is close to our identity, the more we associate with an idea, the more it hits to who we are as a human being. So things like being a part of a cult, uh, political things, any of those kinds of things, um, the more it hits, the more it's, it's close to our heart, the stronger this effect actually is.
0: Okay. I get it. So, because it's important to you, right? Cause that's that whole thing about, I'm, it's hard to say I'm wrong, right? If, if, if it's not a big deal, you're, you're presented with facts, big deal. Right. But if, sure. if it's, if it strikes at your identity, that's when it's harder to accept facts that are right in front of you. Correct.
1: Yep. And, and part of it, you know, is that we, we have an identity. We, we want to be right. Like we only hold things that we believe are true is part one, but part two is uh, there's a strange phenomenon, um, That is actually really good in most situations. Like if if you ever drive to work in the morning and have no idea how you got there, basically (laughs) you have a routine that has been um, sort of put in your brain that requires no more conscious thought. Right. And so, you know, it it requires very little energy to be able to access that routine. The same with like throwing a ball or something with your child. You have to think about every single part of the process. Now, um, well, actually I have to do it now as I've gotten older, but um, in between, I didn't have to really think about it. Right. And so your your brain is efficient and being able to actually create routines and not spend a lot of um, energy. And our brain is designed uh, to actually try to conserve energy. Like we don't want to, you know, expend the effort to update our beliefs and the things that we think are true. And so the tendency is, is we're presenting with information uh, that actually is uh, different than what we believe. Uh, We're going to do everything we can to uh, rationalize it away or actually try to figure out how it fits the beliefs we already have, because that is a lot less work than actually updating our belief systems. A, because it hits on our identity, and B, because it is actually technically a lot of effort to do those kinds of things.
0: So once again, it's hard to say I am wrong.
1: Yeah, it's really hard. And um, because it's so hard and because our motivation is to be right and because we want to conserve energy, It's so it's so deep in us that it's it's uh, it's it's actually physical. Right. So um, motivated reasoning is studied in lots of different disciplines, but it's studied in politics quite a bit. And there have been prior studies that actually look at uh, fMRIs, which are these sort of images of brain activity. And uh, one of the more interesting ones is if you have someone sit down and listen to an argument by someone who's on the same uh, political spectrum, they are. Um, the emotional centers of the brain um, light up. If you have uh, someone sit and listen to someone who is of the opposite political spectrum, uh, their rational part of their brain uh, lights up. And if you ask them on the other side to critique um, the discussion or the arguments that the politician was making, they're much more able to point out the faults in the argument from the person on the opposite side of the political spectrum, than on the side of the political spectrum that they heard from that coincided with theirs. And so it's, it's just different. Like when, when things agree with what we believe, we emotionally get a payoff. When things disagree with what we believe, we're activated to try to figure out how to dismiss that information. And sometimes we just don't even see that information. Like we we literally don't hear or see or comprehend what the person's trying to tell us.
0: So when someone on the other side of the political spectrum is talking, my brain is, it's, it's doing one of two things you're saying. It's it's either starting to play defense, it's starting to come up with an argument, and it's also just not, it's not tuning in, right? Not like like it would if I were listening to someone who shared my opinion. Right, because
1: the, the other piece of this is, um, like we talked about up front, is we tend to search for information in places that are likely to confirm what we already believe, right? And so... We're not going to go search out people on the other side of the political spectrum. We're not going to go search out if, if you know, the way the world has become in the United States, there's sort of two sides of the of the news spectrum. We're not going to seek right. out people on the other sides of the news spectrum.
0: Right, right. And I, I see that in play. Like, have you ever been talking to someone who, and like in a in a civil disagreement about something like politics where you, you're starting to make a point and they start shaking their head already or they start making a face already? Like, you know, yeah. they're tuning out. You know, you know, it's coming. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, right. And we and I, you know, I do this. This is not um, you know, throwing stones from a glass it. house. Yeah. Like it's 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 hard to sit down with someone um who you disagree with and really listen to what they have to say without actually forming in a, a rebuttal or a counter argument on the other side. And again, partially that's because we're accessing the rational parts of our brain and we're looking for holes, right? We're looking for ways to uh rationalize away the contrary evidence they're presenting. And we're looking for ways to actually make it conform to what we already believe. And so, you know, for those Heavensgate people, like their identity was wrapped up in being a part of that that cult, right? So the the yes. cult we talked about with the Haley Bob comet. Yeah. And so, you know, they look and they say, Well, there's no spaceship on the other side of this. And, you know, there are two alternatives. Either you were wrong or um the telescope is broken. And so which one do you choose? Well. right. If if I say that I was wrong, then my whole identity is destroyed. If I say I was wrong, I have to rethink the world and rethink, you know, what it's like and what is true. But if I just say the telescope's broke, all I gotta do is take it back and get a refund, right? It's just, right. just so so much less cognitively intense, and it does not threaten my identity.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and you could see like the emotional component too. Like like these days, if you look at both sides of the political. Uh, spectrum today in this country. Everyone thinks that the other side is going to destroy our country. Like they are so like, I I think both sides, they they love our country. They just think the other side is evil and is, it's not just a civil disagreement. It's they, if they get in control, the other side gets in control, they're going to destroy what this country means to me. And both sides think that. And I think, and you could see how emotionally wrapped up, everyone is in their, in their beliefs and arguments.
1: Well, and and you're right. And that's the easy way out, right? So if you actually say that somebody on the other side of a particular issue, <clears throat> if they're evil or they have bad intent, you don't have to deal with what information they present, right? You don't have to deal with whatever they're saying. Um, you can just dismiss it offhand because they're not on the same team. They're not part of, uh, you know, what I believe is a, you know, worldview or political, you know, perspective or whatever. And so, it makes it really easy to not have to deal with whatever contrary evidence there is. And, and that's the point of motivated reasoning is once we have something that is close to our identity that we believe, we do everything we can to preserve that belief, A, because we want to preserve our identity, and B, just because it's harder to update that information from an energy and sort of
0: focus perspective. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Okay. So what, what else you got for me on this motivated reasoning topic? Well, I, you know,
1: I think it's
0: it's just fascinating
1: to watch in the context of the current pandemic. And, you know, obviously everything in analytics is, uh, you know, doesn't revolve around the pandemic, but it's just so uh, much in front of what we're doing here. But you right. know, we talked about this the other day um, that I was on this forum that you and I have uh, both sort of watched over time. It's a it's a local forum where people will post and, you know, talk about things. And, uh, you know, the other day there was a, a fellow on there who who posted all of these statistics and basically said, you know, that, you know, COVID was no big deal, right? And so it was compared to the number of people who died from cancer, number of people who died from heart disease, number of people who died from automobile accidents and all that kind of good stuff. And, you know, ultimately this particular um, post ended up getting taken down because it just generated so much traffic and so much negativity and so much fighting uh, not between the 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 fellow that I was conversing with and myself, but just in general, it was just like opening up a Pandora's box. But you can just watch and see everybody trying to show why their reasoning and belief was right. And the one guy who posted this, the fascinating thing about it was um, it, it just so happened that, um, you know, I'm a geek. And so I look at numbers on a regular basis and I had uh, been happening to look through, um, you know, as we all do, look through traffic fatality uh, information over the, you know, past couple of years.
0: As um, we all actually, do.
1: As we all do. <laughs> I was actually kind of curious whether the pandemic was decreasing the number of traffic accidents. Is what I was kind of curious about, but I couldn't necessarily find uh, the most recent information. But anyway, um, so I'd have been looking through it, and you know, there are about thirty to forty thousand traffic fatalities in the United States every year. Uh, some years a little bit less. Some years. Uh, probably not more than 40,000, um, but, uh, and the trend's been going down over time. I think, you know, car safety has been getting better and a bunch of other things, but when you look at it, it's 20, 30, 40,000 a year, somewhere in that range. Um, okay. And and the number that the guy put out there was 1.2 million traffic deaths in the United States uh, last year. Whoa. Um, and you know, the way that, uh, he put it out there, he was just so sure of himself. He was like, you know, all those who believe that COVID's a big deal, you got to face the facts, you know, you gotta, you gotta face the truth. And as soon as he put it out there, all these other people will say, you can't lie with numbers. You can't look at the real numbers. You can't do this. You can't do that. Right. And so there's this whole um, string of it. And, uh, you know, I happened to look at it and I was like, well, I was like, you know, uh, that 1.2 million is, uh, you know, a number of factors higher than the real number in the United States. And um, I'd also happen to see that the number in the world is about one uh, 1.2 million. And I may uh, be off by a little bit in terms of the number, but it was, uh, you know, in that range. And so sure enough, I looked it up and the number that he was quoting is the number of fatalities in the entire world um, in the previous year, not in the United States. And so, um, you know, all I did was say, hey, you know, I, you know, appreciate you posting this, um, but I just want to let you know that, um, you know, some of these numbers at least are, are not correct. And, uh, you know, with full force and velocity of what a person can do online, like within seconds, he came back and said, well, if these numbers are wrong, our government is lying to us.
0: Yeah, I- as opposed to checking
1: his source. Exactly. As opposed to checking his source, right? Because he believes it, right? He has bought into this, right? And, uh, you know, our government's lying to us. And he's like, if you think it's wrong, show me where it is. And I was like, okay. So um, I gave him links to, uh, you know, various government agencies that report this stuff. And uh, they directly say 20, 30, 40,000, somewhere in that range, depending on the year. And then I actually gave a link to the number that he'd put out there, and it was the number of traffic fatalities in the world. And I said, um, you know, our our government doesn't lie to us. Our government consistently and truthfully reports this information. I said, unfortunately, the number that you put out there is for the entire world, whereas in the United States, it's much lower than that. And what was the response? Well, fortunately enough, after a little bit of back and forth, um, you know, he actually, and I'll, I'll give him credit, he finally said, Uh, Well, thank you, fine, sir. Um, But that was it. And and like I wanted to engage the guy more in um, conversation. When I say it's conversation, you know, tight back and forth. Um, But you know, the moderator shut it down because it was just getting ugly, and there was all kinds of misinformation being posted, that kind of stuff. But but the speed and sort of force at which this guy responded, um, you know, is motivated reasoning, right? Like there's no reason to check this because it fits what I believe. It hits an emotional center. It makes me feel good makes me feel right. It makes me feel justified in the things that I'm actually doing, irregardless of what's there. And then when I present him with alternative information, he's not wrong, right? I'm wrong. The government has to be lying if that's the case, because these are government figures and um,
0: doesn't bother to go back and actually look at the numbers or anything else. Right. And the stakes get higher the more you believe in something. I think the stakes also get higher now that that's like on a social media platform, his name is attached to it. Now his reputation is attached to it. And as humans, we really care about our reputation. Right. So all these things ratchet up the stakes and don't you think they do, they do. Yeah. And, you know, like it's,
1: you know, <laughs> it's, it's why I think the moderators took it down. Unfortunately enough, I guess for him and for a bunch of other people, they they just took it down. Um, And I think that was probably the right answer because it was, it was not going yeah. anywhere positive very fast, but um, but it it is the stakes are higher. And once you've made those kinds of claims, um, you know, that that sort of hit on your identity is going to be even more. Uh, it's going to be bigger um, if somebody is actually able to convince you that the reality is something different. And so um, all that to say, um, you can see it all over the place. Like there, there have been so many times when folks have posted uh, memes or numbers that uh, for whatever reason I happen to know are not correct. And, um, they're convinced they're just fully convinced in their own minds. They go back and forth with other people. Um, you know, I try to as much as I can, as much as I have time, you know, put links to information, which is, uh, true and accurate and help folks to see, uh, where some of those challenges exist. But this is, this is the natural phenomenon, right? We only hold beliefs that we believe are true and our motivation is to continue to support those beliefs a, because we want to maintain our identity and B, because it's harder to update our belief than it is to just rationalize away information or ignore that information. And the the problem that creates is twofold. Again, one, we tend to search for information which supports our opinion. So we our search is biased as we go out and look for information. And then number two, when we're presented with information that's contrary to what we believe, particularly if it's something that is close to our identity, uh, we tend to discount that information uh, we tend to ignore that information and we tend to rationalize away that information.
0: That's awesome. I, I love, I love discovering how jacked up we are as humans. Like we think we're these rational beings, but we're not. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good stuff. So why don't we, why don't we take a break here, Donnie? We could talk a little bit more after the break about motivated reasoning and what we can do about it.
1: Sounds great. All
0: right. All right. Welcome back. So I've discovered that I'm never wrong about anything. And I will go to I will go to great lengths to prove that to everyone. OK, so now that we know what motivated reasoning is, Donnie, what yeah. in the world, if anything, since our brains are usually on autopilot, what in the world can we do about this?
1: Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll continue to harp on this, you know, episode to episode, time to time. Uh, you know, vanilla, Ice still is, uh, an unappreciated genius. It, uh, one it all comes line,
0: down- <laughs> Donnie, just one line. Come on. <laughs> no, he has
1: other things too. I-, I promise you need to watch his show. He does a cra- crazy good stuff with the houses in Florida. But, um, when you, when you, uh, when you think about this, it really is the same advice, which is to stop collaborate and listen. Right. So, um, our knee jerk reaction, uh, serves us well in a lot of situations, right? So, if a fireman is in the house and the house is on fire, um, they get a sense of something um, not being right and they run out of the house and, you know, it falls in right after. That's that intuition, right? So that sort of right. quick thinking yeah. um, that is very necessary. Um, you know, uh, we will probably talk about this at some other point as well. But, uh, you know, recently, I guess a, a year or two ago now, um, I was in our house when it got struck by a tornado and uh, I Don't usually go to the basement when there's a tornado warning, but I looked outside and I still to this day don't know exactly what prompted me, but I looked out and immediately knew I needed to go to the basement. You know, don't stop, don't pass go, don't collect $200, any of those kinds of things. And sure enough, uh, as I was going down the basement, the tornado hit. And so um, that quick thinking is valuable in a lot of places um, because you can make quick decisions, you can save energy, you can do all those kinds of things. The place where it becomes a problem is when we're talking about complex situations with lots of analytics, lots of risk management concepts, lots of data. In those environments, um, again, we tend to look for information that supports our opinion, and we tend to either ignore, diminish, or rationalize information in a way that actually doesn't fit that belief structure that we actually have. And so... If you stop, you can at least do one thing, which is some of the research shows. If you can talk yourself into having an accuracy goal, if you can say to yourself, "You know what? I don't want to win this argument. I don't want to um, confirm my beliefs. I want I want to know the truth. I want I want to be accurate in the things that I'm passing along, and then I want to be accurate in the things that I believe. That there is some benefit in that. It doesn't make it go away, but if you can do that, if you can stop. And really think about that before, um, you know, you pass information along or before you just, uh, you know, throw your hands up and say, woohoo, because it it sort of fits everything, I believe, um, that it can go some way into helping you sort of get into that rational process um, that is a little less biased and sort of your immediate reactions to some of those things. So that's that's one thing you can stop. And uh, when you stop, you can sort of think through and, say, what is my goal in forwarding this? Or what is my goal in listening to this person? Or what is my goal in um, reading this thing? And once you do that, if you can sort of help yourself to understand that the goal should be accuracy, then uh, you, you, you can go some way in actually um, improving the way that you think about those things. Um, the second thing is to collaborate. And we've talked about this before. We'll talk about it again. Um, you know, collaborate can be oddly enough, a, a one person process. Um and that one pro- person process is really uh, perspective taking. And um, I think you and I have talked about this before, but, um, you know, this really hit home with me one time and some uh, some training that I went through. And, you know, I, you were part of a large organization and uh, I'm sure you have been to training where it was like, what are we doing here? You know, like it's kind of goofy. It's, you know, talking about some things don't make a lot of sense and. Oh, yeah. Don't really get a lot from it. Yep. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you that that is the way that I entered into um, this particular training. But it was a training about how to have difficult conversations. <clears throat> difficult conversations meaning scenarios where you disagree with someone, or where they had different perspective, or you're trying to give some constructive feedback. Um, you know those kinds of things. And they had us do this exercise, and uh, it was incredibly powerful. They 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 had us sit in a chair, and they had us to think about uh, a difficult conversation that we either um, Uh, have known that we needed to have, but just didn't want to have, or one that we knew we needed to have in the future. And they had us um, think about the other person being in the chair uh, next to us or in front of us. And they had us kind of walk through a conversation with that person. Like, how would you have this conversation? What would be your evidence? What would be your grounding? What would be your logic? Just have that conversation. And then they had us literally physically stand up and get in the other chair And had us have the conversation as if we were the other person talking to us. And what is their rationale? What is their logic? What is their evidence? Um, And I I really honestly did not expect um, anything to come out of this process. But that particular day, the conversation that I needed to have, um, when I did that, I was able to see with a lot more clarity um, how the other person would perceive it. Um, I was able to see some of the holes in my own thinking because I viewed it from their perspective. Right. Uh, and ultimately, I was able to have a much uh, more effective conversation with that person because I sat down and went through that process. And so um, that's all in the notion of uh, perspective taking. So you can you can literally sit down and say, OK, if I was somebody who didn't hold my belief but held the opposite belief, what would they say? Like, what would they point out as holes in my logic and reasoning? And, you know, how would they think about this? And, you know, what evidence would they provide? And in doing so um, you can both have uh, you know, a better understanding of where the, the lapses are in your own thinking, but you can also um, have a little more empathy in terms of what the other person might believe or how they might think about it. And honestly, it gives you a, a better opportunity to sort of structure your own thoughts, to have a sort of potentially productive conversation with that person. So, um, you can stop and you can collaborate individually. Um, you can collaborate together um, with other people. So we tend to be really bad at seeing our own motivated reasoning. Um, but we tend to uh, be fairly good at seeing other people's motivated reasoning. And so if you can find people that you trust, uh, people that you feel safe with, feel, people you feel open with, um to have the conversation and say, you know what? what what is what am I missing? Right. You know, like, what am I missing in the situation and really listen to them? Right. There's, it is such a strong reaction um, to when somebody has a different perspective or opinion um, you feel like if they provide their perspective or opinion, they're trying to prove you wrong.
0: Right. Right.
1: And that creates that defensive set of thoughts, which is um, I'm going to rationalize this. I'm going to figure out why they're wrong. Right. And so, instead of being a conversation where you exchange information, a lot of times it just turns into uh, sort of a round and round where people are trying to defend their own position and trying to convince the other person why they're actually right. And, uh, you know, very little usually comes of those conversations. You got to kind of break through that and really listen to the other person. And so um, it's stop, um, it's collaborate, and then it is listen. It is listen to um, what other folks might think if they're on the other side of the issue. It is listening to other people if you physically talk to them. And if you can do those things, if you can actually convince yourself and help yourself to set a goal of being accurate and finding the truth, if you can stop and sort of set that goal and then collaborate either physically or just theoretically in your own mind with other people, and then if you can really listen to those arguments, then you increase your odds of actually coming to a more informed uh, decision or choice about the issues that you're actually thinking about and you know, I think we, we also just have to get comfortable with uh, saying I was wrong or I am wrong. And uh, I know that's a difficult thing, but it's something that we have to learn to do.
0: You know, and I think the first step is just, I could be wrong, right? We go around with this, with this shield, with this armor. I am right. I am right. And you are wrong. I'm right about everything. I mean, we take it day to day in, in all of our interactions and social media. I think they're, what a huge step it would be if if we just you know, if we just faced every situation with, yeah, I could be wrong. Like we do that with my my blue whale example, right? That I, I I've talked to you about before with, with my kid. If he'll say, you know, the blue whale is the largest mammal. Oh, no, that no, it's not. That doesn't make any sense. It's gotta be like an elephant or a rhinoceros. No, the blue whale. Yeah, okay, okay, son, I could be wrong. Like we do that when things don't matter, right? What if we did that with things that we're so emotionally attached to, right? Like, okay, I, I could be wrong. I don't think I am, but I could be. Let me hear you out. What yeah. a difference that would make.
1: Yeah. And I, I think you hit on a couple of really important points there. Number one, you know, there are different um, sort of psychological processes we engage. And so um, when we're learning, you mentioned your your kids, when we're learning something, um, we aren't searching for something to prove or right. We're, we're earnestly and honestly seeking information, right? And so, yeah, the search process tends to be a little bit more robust. We tend to be a little bit more open to what's actually going on and and what the information actually tells us. And so, you can watch children when they're searching out and trying to understand a concept. You know, they're they're just looking for information. They're just trying to figure it out. And so, I think if we can, you know, take that childlike perspective of um you know i don't know the answer i'm still trying to figure it out right I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out and if you um enter into it from the perspective of searching as opposed to defending um that can actually change the way that you think about the problem and the way that you process information at some level mm-hmm. the other thing i think you you said there um again is that whole identity thing right so the closer it is to our identity the more we're going to defend the more we're going to deflect the more we're going to try to prove that we're right and um you know in those situations, I think we a we have to recognize that to be true. Like we like I only hold beliefs that I think are true. And the person I'm talking to only holds beliefs they think that are that are true. And so, um, you know, me just saying that I'm right and they're wrong or my position's right. And their position they just, it just doesn't do anything there. There is some form of rationality might not be right. Uh, your rationality might not be right. The other person's rationality might not be right. But there is there is in their mind some form of rationality um, that they've you know, employed to get to a place where they believe the thing that they're actually believing. And I think if you can just, if you can just recognize that, um, you know, I think that's helpful and it, and it gets to that search process, right? So we've, we've divided everything now. I, I Like it is one of the things that just frustrates me more than anything else in life right now is uh, that we, we, we have sort of different ecosystems, right? We, we're creating different social media platforms We have different media, we have, you know, (laughs) just different everything. And so um, when you think about that search process, if you go and you look again, honestly, earnestly at the other side, right? So if you constantly watch Fox, go watch MSNBC on the same topic. If you constantly watch MSNBC, go watch Fox on the same topic. And again, Not for the purpose of figuring out why the other side is wrong, but for the purpose of trying to understand where is the other side coming from, right? So if you enter into it, um, not from the perspective of defending, but I'm searching for information and I'm trying to get to the most accurate understanding of the world, and I listen to what the other side is saying, it can help, again, to create better informed, more robust thinking around a particular topic um although i know it is difficult because uh, i have tried to watch some of what i would consider to be the other side and it can be painful at times but it is it is a valuable process in 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 the the notion of searching for information
0: yeah and i i would take it one step further i i would say if i would say turn it off turn off your your media bias channel whatever it is like there are there are obvious Biases with with certain media outlets. Try to find some more in the center. You know, if if you're only feeding that echo chamber, it's not helping things. I mean, I know that's a big challenge because it's very comforting to come home from work, turn on whatever whatever channel you like, and just have people that agree with you. That I mean, isn't that that's what we do in our with our friends on social media, right? We want that in group feeling. I I would challenge I would challenge people to go one step further, Donnie, and, and just. Try try something more just more mainstream. Just get facts and, and, and get out of that echo chamber. It's not helping.
1: <laughs> and and see by using that word, you probably just turned about half of the folks listening off mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> mainstream media, right? Like right. that's such a negative connotation in a lot of groups now. Um but yeah, but I think you're right. Um there certainly are more or less biased sources of information. And we're talking about the news, but this is this is true no matter um, uh, you know, what you're looking at, right? So if you're talking about the pandemic. Um, You know, there are various online forums where people have gone to look for information about what is true, what is not true. Um, They have different perspectives. They're coming from different places. And so, yes, it'd it'd be great to search for places that are um, more in the middle, um, that are strictly trying to, you know, stick to facts and trying to stick to the information. But even above and beyond that, um, it is sometimes helpful, again, not with the purpose of figuring out why the other side is wrong, but with the purpose of understanding where they're coming from. It is sometimes helpful to recognize the bias and sources and understand and listen to what those sources are saying so that you can have a more robust understanding of the particular topic. Like we're we're only spending a, a short period of time on this, but I think I think we need to recognize how powerful this is in the way that we uh, interact with the world. Um, you know, we talked about the the folks in the Heaven's Gate cult, um, where they literally took their own lives. Um, there's uh, examples of this in the next VM. Um I would call it a cult, um, and you can go watch the things that are going on there. Um, you can watch uh, things that have popped up around QAnon. Um, where, uh, you know, things that were prophesied to come true don't come true, but people then begin to rationalize it away. And that whole process um, can become a means of manipulation, right? It can become a means of uh, folks sort of creating manipulative kinds of environments for people to continue to play on that motivated reasoning, to continue to be able to make claims that don't have to be substantiated because people are not employing rational thought around them. And so I just encourage, uh, you know, everyone um, to think critically, um, to stop, to collaborate and listen, to search for information in the least biased way you can, and to then listen to and really interact with that information in order to make the best, uh, most informed decisions you can about pretty much everything in life. And so uh, the thing to keep in mind is uh, our motivations will guide the way that we search for and the way that we interpret information. And so we always have to check our motivations. Are we trying to be right? Are we trying to prove a side? Are we trying to raise uh, the identity of a social group that we're a part of, or are we trying to find truth? And so um, always, always, always try to focus on finding truth and let that be your guide for the way that you search for and interpret information. So that's it for this week. Um, It's a topic we'll continue to come back to over and over again uh, during the course of this podcast, Uh, but we appreciate you tuning in this week. Uh, We hope you have a great week. Rob, again, as always, uh, thank you for being a part of the podcast, and thank you for definitely being the co host extraordinaire. Uh, we hope everybody has a great week. Stay happy and stay healthy.
0: It's like food for your ears.